Well, good morning, All Nations Church. It's great to be here with you. Uh, wherever you're watching from, I just want to say that you're so welcome here. It's great to have you with us this morning. Uh, my name's Josh, if we've not been introduced before, and it is my privilege this morning I'm going to be sharing the Word of God with us. Um, over this season, we've been looking at the story of Exodus. Okay, Throughout the whole book of Exodus, we've been going through and uh, looking at the story of the Israelites coming out of captivity uh, and making what today we're going to be specifically looking at is God making a covenant with them and the instructions for building the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, for just a quick catch up, because it has been a couple of weeks and Ian did an incredible job last week of kind of reminding us and refreshing us of what had been going on. But the Israelites had been in captivity for hundreds of years. They'd been under the oppression of a, a very, very difficult leader known as Pharaoh. And he kind of refused to let them go at first. And the Israelites were backlashing at Moses saying, what is God doing? Where is, where is God in this? Okay, we've been slaved for 300, 400 years now. And, you know, actually, where is God? And then eventually God sends the plague and speaks to Pharaoh and, and says, actually, no, let my people go. And he uses Moses as his tool, his instrument in order to do that. And today, like I said, we are going to be focusing on the Ark of the Covenant. So I'm going to pick up in Exodus 25. Uh, the first little bit of this, verses 10 to 15, are God instructing Moses of all the specific details that he wants him to go through in order to build this ark. Okay, This ark is then God's promise that he is going to be with his people. It's going to be a signal that God is making a move in their direction and that he is going to promise to be with them wherever that ark goes. So if we pick up in verse 16, it says, And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat, or in other translations, they say an atonement seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammered work shall you make them. On the two ends of the mercy seat, make one cherub on one and one on the other. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, or the atonement seat. With their faces to another, toward the mercy seat, the faces of the cherubim shall be. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I shall give to you. There I will meet with you. I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. Okay, and the second verse that I want to just run to is Psalm chapter 90, verse 1. And the New Living Translation reads, this is from Moses, by the way, Moses is writing this psalm, and he says, Lord, throughout all the generations, you have been our home. God, throughout every generation, you have been our home. Okay, in today's title, I've actually called uh, Home is Where the Heart Is. So if you're making notes, that is our title for today. And the last scripture I just want to go to is 1 Corinthians 3.16, which reads, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells or has made its home in you? Would you just pray with me quickly? Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity we have this morning. Lord, thank you for the fact that uh, you are with us. You are with every single one of us listening to this message, Lord. I pray that you would just reveal yourself more and more to each of us tuning in. Lord, in our houses, 
with our families, with our friends, Lord, to be with um, people that are in dire need of you, Jesus. I pray you would draw close to us as we spend this time learning and discovering more and more about you. Amen. So when I found out I was teaching on uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the first thing that came to mind, funnily enough, was uh, I think it must have been about probably 12 to 13 years ago, I was first introduced to Indiana Jones. And uh, in the first movie, actually, that is all based around Indiana Jones kind of searching for this Ark of the Covenant. Um, and we are not going to roll the clip at the end. Don't worry, your kids are your kids are safe. But I think, you know, it's a uh, it's a very, very clear the power that the Ark of the Covenant has. Um, moving on from that, I've actually never moved home. We're talking about this idea of home before. Home is where the heart is. I've never actually physically had to move all of my stuff out of one home into another. Okay, and I actually love these these home development shows such as Homes Under the Hammer. I'm sure you've seen it. It's a fantastic show. Um, it's brilliant. You've got these regular people who have just come onto the market scene, sometimes for the first time, sometimes it's their 10th time. And what they do is they take these, these old houses and what they do, and they invest some money in them. They spend some time saying, what we're going to do is this house, yeah, we can see the state it's in. We see it's a little beat up. But what I'm going to do is we're going to invest some time, some money, some effort, some energy into making this house habitable. About making this house habitable. And these shows are, are great because they show you before and then they kind of cut away and they leave you hanging and you're always waiting to see how this house actually ended up turning out. And they'll return either six or in some cases it can be up to two years later to see how things got on. And it's always struck with me when I was reading this message and in Psalm 90 verse 1 especially where it says, Lord, throughout all the generations, you have been our home. And I'm going to be thinking, what does that actually mean? What actually is a home? And what does it actually mean for God to be our home? Moses quite clearly says in his scriptures, Lord, you have been our home. But what does that actually mean? I'll just invite you to think about that for a second. Okay, but I know that on the list of most stressful things you can do in your life, moving home is towards, I, I believe it's in the top three in that list. Okay, moving home is a very, very difficult and very, very stressful, stressful process. Okay, and in, in this chapter in Je um, Exodus, excuse me, God is actually giving Moses the instructions for what he wants this home to look like. Now, if you spoke to my mum, she would tell you that she has instructions for what our home looks like. And I'm not always the best at meeting up to those standards. So I'd like to just publicly apologize to my mother for that. I would try to do better. But God is very, very specific in the details that he gives Moses for what his ark is going to look like, what this home and this constant reminder of his presence is going to look like. Okay, God is about to move or has just moved his people from Egypt and he said he's going to lead them to the promised land, to a land that I will show you is what he tells to Abraham, one of the very, very first Israelites. God is about to make his move into his people, the Israelites. He's actually just going to make a temporary home, though. You see, this home for them isn't quite permanent. They're going to be moving around for the next hundreds of years, wandering in the desert. So God had changed their geographical location, but he was about to make a move that would indicate for us, people who believe now in the new covenant, of what a spiritual location, a spiritual state that God wants to put us in, and that is to be at home with him. 
So God prepares. He was preparing a home, first of all. It's all over the story here. God has given them the, exactly the instructions that they need in order to prepare. The Old Testament, like I mentioned last time I spoke to you, is a complete setup. It is a complete preparation for the arrival of Jesus, who actually becomes to be, came home on here on earth with us and is actually now our home as well in him. If we go back to the scripture, it said, when you make this mercy seat or this atonement seat, the job of it is actually to sit on top of the covenant that Moses was given. Now, we've got to catch this. This is incredibly, incredibly symbolic. See, is the fact that this sits on top of the old covenant, knowing that there is a new covenant and a new better atonement that is going to be on the way. And his name is Jesus. And he's going to come and take the place of that old atonement and actually not make this temporary home for the spirit of God, but actually make a permanent home in you and me. And that is going to change everything. So we now live in this new covenant with this new atonement that is once and for all done. This is what John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's that word again, dwelling. Another translation of that psalm says, Lord, throughout all the generations you've been our dwelling place. To dwell is to take residence, is to make a home with. And what that 1 Corinthians 3.13, they're all based around this word of dwelling. God physically came down as a man. We've just celebrated Christmas not that long ago. God took on flesh and skin. One translation actually says he moved into the neighborhood. All around this theme of home, God moves into this neighborhood. This cross represents the fact that he cared enough, saw you, saw me in the state that we were in, just like these property people, and says, no, I'm actually going to pay the price for that. No matter how it looks, no matter what other people have said about it, other people have written it off, other people have said, no, no, it's not, it's not worth it, don't worry, leave it. But God actually looks at you and me and he says, no, no, actually, I buy that, I want that. I put my mark on that, I'm paying it. I don't even know what the price is because you and me, we are of infinite value to God. We are of infinite value to God. One way of putting it is that humans are the centerpiece of all creation. We are God's main focus. We are on God's thoughts. We are on God's heart all of the time. God is constantly and always thinking about you. And he sees the value in yourself, even when you don't see it. You see, the thing about houses is on Homes Under the Hammer, a lot of people who look at these houses and like I said, they've written them off. They says, no, 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 it may look all right, but no, no, there's some real, real foundational issues with this. There's actually some real, real problems with this. And I know about you, but there's times I felt like, God, no, no, it's, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth the value that you think is worth paying. I'm not worth it. I've messed up way too many times. You don't understand. And... Quite frankly, it's, it's difficult. It's too difficult. But God, like I said, has seen you and he's seen your value. And he says, you know what? I don't even know what's going on at the moment, okay, in your life. I don't know. God knows. And God says, actually, no, I'm paying that price. You are so worth that to God. You're of infinite value to him. And the issue is when sometimes these, these properties have been bought, these homes have been been paid for by these owners and they've actually decided, you know what, halfway through, man, this thing was, you should have seen this thing, man. It was a, it was a real mess. It was a real, real mess. And it was actually It was actually broken beyond repair. It was actually broken beyond repair. There's times in my life where I felt actually, 
God, no, I thought, I thought I'd beaten this. I thought that this thing that I've been constantly struggling with was gone. I thought it was over. It turns out it wasn't, God. You just, just move on. Just abandon the project. Abandon ship. Don't worry about it because... There's, there's, there's way better houses out there. You look at, look at all the other houses, look at all the other homes out there. Why would you, why would you even want to invest the money? Why would you even want to invest the time, the resources, the energy in this? But I'm here to tell you there's amazing news that God has paid the price for you. He has atoned for everything. There is no more shame, condemnation, no more sin that cannot be covered, cannot be taken away with the blood of Jesus, that is this atonement. Remember, it sits on top of the old covenant that would tell you that what you have done completely writes you off. Those foundational things in that house, don't even bother about it. Don't even worry about it. But God has actually looked at you and has said, no, I know what I'm doing. It says in 1 Corinthians, sorry, in Philippians chapter one, uh, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to finish it. So he be, who began a good, a good work in you, a work that is good, something that he knows what he's doing. Even if you can't see it, even if I can't see it, he has started a good work in you. And then later it says he will finish it. Now it doesn't say when he will finish it, but it tells you that he will. So I know now that 2020 was, was difficult. Yeah, there was some very, very difficult things that we've, that I felt like I was making no progress or anything, or if anything, backpedaling, undoing the progress that I thought God was making throughout the beginning of that year. But actually, this verse is amazing because it says he will finish a good work in you, no matter how long that takes. Sometimes these, these housing projects will take a long time. Like I said, they can be up to you know a few years for these things to, to come into fruition. Okay, But when you look at those final products, when they take it say, look where it was before, look at it now. Look at where it was before and look at it now. 2020, yeah, we look at how it was. It was difficult where it was before. But 2021, 22, in the next few years, we trust God and say, wow, what can we actually, what could you imagine God doing in the next couple of years? What could you imagine him doing in the next couple of months even? Because God is in the transformation business. These homes under the hammer things are just like you and me. They are these houses. We are these dwelling places for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit to come and live in. And the Holy Spirit, he's, he's incredible. You know what he does? He comes in and he transforms things. He changes things so that you wouldn't even recognize what was there before. Just like these 20, 2020, we weren't sure. 2021, what if he could do the same for you? What if this Holy Spirit that the Bible promises and the Bible talks about will actually come meet with you, be the dwelling place for you. A place where it actually dwells every single day and is transforming and shaping you. What could happen? Ephesians 3.20 says he can do more than we even dare to dream about or imagine. Would you trust God? Would you trust him to do that? I know that things have been difficult recently. I know that things still are really, really difficult for us at the moment. And there are days where we can't see what's going on, what's going forward. We feel like this transformation that is promised has been put on hold. We feel like the progress that we were making has either gone back or we, has been put on hold as well. But would you let the Holy Spirit dwell inside of you? 
Jesus is in the business of transformation. Like I said, he can take things that we thought were dead and actually bring them to life. He makes these dead bones live. He makes these dead bones live. And it's so easy for us to try and, especially in seasons and difficult times like this, for us to kind of just dress up the outside, dress up the outside of the houses, these houses that look really, really nice inside, outside, sorry, and you get inside and realize there's nothing in there. There's no life in there. There's no life in there. There's no, there's no life in there. I remember when we first moved into our house and we, we came in and it was empty. There was, no, there was nothing in there. From the outside, look, yeah, sure, look brilliant, fantastic. Never better, but you go inside and what's actually in there? What's actually dwelling inside that was empty? And I'm here to tell you that your house, you, your physical body, your spirit, your soul is not actually supposed to be empty and left empty. It's supposed to have Jesus. It's supposed to have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you and changing you. How many of you know that who you let inside, either your lives or your minds, will actually begin to shape what's in there? Your thoughts towards yourself, the thoughts of people around you, they're going to begin to shape and change who you are and how you think and how you see yourself. Who would you prioritize letting in? I want to prioritize every day, and I know it's not easy. I want to prioritize letting Jesus and the Holy Spirit into me. I want to let it dwell inside of me and try and just, just let him do what, what he needs to. Try and let go of control. When things are difficult at the moment, especially when we're unsure of what's happening and we, we get that anxiousness, we get that fear of, oh, no, 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 let me, let me keep on to control. Let me hold on to what's going on. Actually, could you let go? Could you let God take control? Could you do that? I want to every day step into a new day saying, okay, I'm not going to focus on two months in ahead, three months in ahead, a year in ahead. I want to focus on today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to choose to let Jesus dwell inside of me. I'm going to choose to let the Holy Spirit come and make his home with me. Home is not this physical location. It's this spiritual state that I can live in every day saying, actually, no, no. I know that Jesus has come down to earth He's died for me and he has now sent his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of me, knowing that it's going to keep me safe, knowing that he is going to protect me, knowing that he's going to provide for me, knowing that he's going to most importantly change and speak to me. Because he's in that transformation business, like I said. I don't want this DIY approach to my, to my physical or spiritual body where I say, no, 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 stay outside, stay outside, God. It's like, it's okay, I'll let you in once I've kind of tidied things up a little bit. I've, let me just get, let me just get to this point and then you come in and do the rest because I really, like I really, really need to do this right now. Like this, there's a lot of stuff going on. You don't want to see things are being cleared up. Like, why don't I just ask you way outside? Then you can come in and then we can talk about things I need to change. That's not how it is because we, whether you like it or not, these broken things, these broken states that we live in, cannot be fixed by us. Otherwise, we'd have done it already. And so what I said about dressing up the outside, I think as Christians, we can be too guilty of it sometimes as trying to pretend everything's okay because we have Jesus, because we have this Holy Spirit living inside of you. Yeah, that's great, but where, where is Jesus in that? Have you actually let him in fully into your whole house? Have you let him in fully? Have you given him control and letting him make those transformations, make those, uh, make those, 
fixes that he needs to. Okay, because he is the only one who can do it. He's the only one who can do it. Can I say, if you are finding that or finding this difficult, before we went ahead and had our, had our kitchen done, I think we actually went and looked at other people's houses. We went and said, hey, uh, we've seen you, you've done this before. You've been through this before. You've gone through the experience. Could, I, could we sit? Could we talk? Could we reflect on how you found it? Could we reflect on what it is that you did? to get through this too. What was the mistakes you made? What were the things that worked well? And I think that is actually what church is about. If we are a home, we want to let other people in and say, look what God's done. We want to celebrate that. I want to, would you, could I encourage you to find someone or build a community in your small group or just grab someone and say, hey, actually, could I, can we just talk about things? Can we just reflect? I know you've either done this, been through this, or I just need someone to, to let in, to share with what's God, what is God doing? What's going on at the moment? Could you let someone in? Because I think there is real, real power there. Even, I know it's difficult at the moment for us to do, but the community that we have inside of a church where we make everyone feel at home, everyone feel safe, everyone feel secure, that has to be our priority at the moment. We've got people in this country that are broken, that are upset. We've got people that are just crying out for someone to not even to fix them, just to be there with them during the season, during this time saying, hey, look, things are difficult at the moment. I feel broken. Could you be there with me? Could you, could you, could you come here inside and have a look at the damage and could you be there with me? I think that's huge, huge at this moment. I think that's massive. Finally, these things that we are looking to change were not built in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day. You go to these amazing buildings and you find out people were doing this for years. These things take time. It's so easy for us to say, hey, look, I know you got saved the other day or I know you got saved a couple of years ago now, but I'm looking at your house and I'm like, mm, not too sure what's going on there. And so God says he will, yeah, he will finish that work, like I said, but he doesn't put a time limit on it. So why is it that we put either a time limit on ourselves or the other people around us? Because this just creates a very, very difficult environment for us to even start to fix things. Because then you start to put pressure on things that are being fixed or things that are being transformed. And people rush things, people skip things, people try and make a shortcut. And actually, that's not going to benefit anyone. Especially yourself. If you think, gosh, I should, I should have been over this by now. I should have done this by now. Can I remind you that the atonement seat sits on top of everything? The atonement seat trumps everything. The atonement seat is what actually gives the transformation. That's where the power is in this Holy Spirit in Jesus. And if you actually let him inside and let him dwell, this word I keep going back to is dwell. Would you let him dwell in there? You can, you can turn your house into a home, a place where Jesus resides, a place where the Holy Spirit resides where you feel safe. You go anywhere in the world and know that you're safe with Jesus. Know that he's made his home in you. Know that his spirit has a home inside of you and that he dwells in you. While I was preparing this, uh, this talk, I just, I just had a feeling that there was people who thought, you know what, there's too much going on at the moment or, you know, there's, there's too much inside. I, I, can't let, I can't let people in right now. And this isn't going to be fixed. And this is going to take so long to fix. And could I just say to you that 
Jesus wants to, he wants to step in. He wants to fix things. He wants to allow his Holy Spirit to transform your mind. He wants to transform your life. He wants to transform so many things that we just kind of write off and say, no, no, Jesus, yeah, 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 you're great, but this is something I have to do myself. This is something that I, I need to fix. This is something that I need to deal with. And actually, the Bible says that Jesus has already paid for everything. Would you let him in and would you let him take control of your life? It's so difficult for us to do that. Just to say, Jesus, you know, have everything. And my finances in a, in a time like this is so difficult. Jesus, would you have uh, just my family? Would you have everything? Would you just take it all? So difficult. But when you open your hand to Jesus and let everything go to him, he'll look after you. He'll, he'll fix you. He'll, he'll be the one. He's going to minister to you. He's going to be the one that you wake up every day. You you look at how these houses are built. You see, oh, come back in one day, think, wow, okay, nothing. Nothing's even changed. You come back two days, three days. But actually, it's when you've left it for a long time and it comes back and you think, oh, you think, wow, what what an amazing what an incredible transformation there's been. And you speak to builders and you speak to people who are in those kind of industries and they'll tell you one thing. You say, how do you do it? You just say, it just happens one day at a time. When I think about tomorrow's job today, that's, that's pointless. We think about one day at a time and what am I called to do today? And it's dwell with Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit dwell inside of you. Let Jesus be your home that you constantly dwell in. You wake up every day and you can just say, okay, I'm not going to worry about what tomorrow brings. I'm not going to worry about what's coming tomorrow. But I know today I'm going to make a decision to dwell, to let the Holy Spirit dwell inside of me. Let the Holy Spirit dwell inside of me. Let him transform you from the inside out. I think we'll be amazed at what Jesus does, just one day at a time. It's funny, you speak to any, any runner as well, any marathon runner, you'll, they'll say, you say, how do you do, how do you run a marathon? Well, the first thing I've got to do is just take a step, first of all, and start, and just put these steps together. And then next thing you know, you'll just run a mile. Next thing you know, you just run two, and all of a sudden, 26 comes around. Can I just encourage you? Just take that step every day, just that one step. It doesn't need to be huge. It doesn't need to be this amazing thing, but just take one step where you, where you commit and say, Holy Spirit, come, come and dwell inside of me because I know the power that you possess. Holy Spirit, come and dwell inside of me because you have the power that I need. I cannot do this on my own. This is not a DIY job. This is something that requires a professional this is something that requires you. Something that requires you. If you've listened to this and think, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't do this on my own. I've been trying for, for so long now. I've been trying to fix these issues that I just can't seem to fight. No one else can seem to do it. Can I just say, Jesus wants to meet with you. He wants to be that home for you. He wants to dwell in you. He wants to cause that transformation. If you are for the first time today saying, 
Jesus, I, I need this. I need this transformation. I need this power that only you possess then. Could I just invite you to, to pray with me? Right now, say, Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power that it possesses, that you possess. I recognize, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. And so I accept the free gift of you, of salvation, of your spirit. And I want to live a life for you that glorifies you and dwells with you every day. Amen.